there's a huge body of research now suggesting that practicing self-compassion leads to lower levels of stress, lower levels of anxiety, less depressed mood, right, or more positive mood overall. Um, in addition to that, we have a lot of research to show that self-compassion is linked to increased resilience, increased performance and productivity, right? Because when we don't get caught in that like negative um, self-critical spiral, we're better able to see the picture clearly, figure out how to problem solve about whatever the thing was, right? And come to the table as our, you know, kind of best, most effective selves. Being the mom you want to be doesn't have to be difficult. It's all about building healthy self-care habits, overcoming mindset roadblocks, and finding support. Welcome to Habit Maker Mama. It's the go-to podcast for busy moms who want to care for themselves. I'm your host, Heather Kerwin, and I'm a mother of three, pilot wife, and physician assistant. Together, we are going to redefine self-care so you can be the mom you want to be. Let's transform how you care for yourself starting right now. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm just not doing this well, or that mom has it all together and I don't? As moms, we are hard on ourselves, but why are we so hard on ourselves? And how can we change that and give ourselves grace? Our guest today, Dr. Nina Kaiser, is here to help us answer these questions. Nina is a licensed psychologist with over 15 years of experience in working with children, teens, and parents. She specializes in evidence-based behavioral, cognitive behavioral, and mindful-based strategies to help kids, teens, and parents effectively cope with stress, worry, and emotion. After having her own children, Nina developed a particular interest in supporting parents, especially mothers. Yay for us. Nina obtained both her master's and doctorate in clinical psychology from Purdue University, Indiana, before completing her clinical internship and postdoc training from the University of California, San Francisco. Nina founded Practice San Francisco with the goal of building a community to support all children, teenagers, and parents in learning and applying these research-based strategies as life skills in order to live more peaceful and joyful lives. After over a decade of living in San Francisco, she now lives in Marin, California with her husband and two sons. Wow, what an impressive bio and resume that you have. But more importantly, I think the working every day, um, you know, hacks. You are a mom. You you go through this. Not only do you help other moms, but you are a mom going through this. Um, so oh, I'm totally. so thrilled to have you here today, Nina. This is just such an honor and a pleasure. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here, Heather. Thank you for having me. Of course. Now, tell me a little bit, what made you decide to become a licensed psychologist in the first place? Yeah, such a good question. I actually, so I worked with kids in kind of one capacity or another as long as I can remember, like starting with like babysitting and mother's help ring um, when I was a kid. And I actually thought I wanted to be a pediatrician until I went to college and like almost failed chemistry. And then I was like, that is not the right path. <laughs> and I wound up um, working at a low-income daycare center in the city where I went to school um, and I think it was a classroom of 15 kids and like 12 of them had an ADHD diagnosis and it was utter insanity and I completely loved it. <laughs> and so that was the experience that kind of tipped me over the edge into going to school for, for clinical psychology. And then here I am. What an incredible start to everything and um, a really 
kind of introspective way of saying that you were ready to go into that was seeing kids with you know, struggling or also maybe thriving with their different diagnoses and saying, hey, this is what I want to do. This is where I can really help. Um, did you see, you know, when working with those kids, did you also see different dynamics for parents and families kind of navigating, um, you know, ADHD and sort of diagnoses like that? Oh, absolutely. Right. And, you know, I mean, I probably did not see the whole picture, right? I was like 20. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your perspective is a little different, but absolutely, right? And it's so hard to have a kid who's struggling, right? And every kid has their areas of, of growth, right? And the things that they need to work on, those growth edges. But when you have a kid who who really has significant needs, it it pulls it pulls for so much from you as a parent, right? And so I absolutely saw some of those dynamics playing out in that setting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and interesting that you say, um, I think at 20, my perspective of any sort of um, motherhood or parenting or watching other families, it would have flown so far past my head. I don't totally. think I would have even recognized it. I don't know. <laughs> no, you don't know. I don't think you know until you're in it. Right. I mean, one of the things that, that I like to say, I came to motherhood kind of later in life. I'm in my mid 40s. I have a six year old and a three year old. And it used to be the case, you know, when I was working with kids, I, you know, families would often ask me, well, do you have kids of your own? Right. Like that would lend some extra credibility. And I found that question really annoying before I had my own kids. I was like, no, I don't have kids, but I have a PhD in clinical psychology. I've been doing this for, you know, a decade. Right. Um, and then I had my own kids and I realized why they were asking because you don't know until you're really in it. Right. That your perspective changes and even. You know, I mean, I've spent 15 plus years working with kids, working with parents around the most effective ways to handle kids' behavior, most effective ways to show up as the parent. And I don't always do the right thing myself as a parent, right? It's it's just so hard. It really um, You is. don't know till you know. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, you know, I, I can think of a particular moment when I was in grad school and I had um, connected with a woman in my kind of exercise morning class that I would go to. and. She um, had two children, young children. We would actually drive every morning to the exercise class together at 5 a.m. And, you know, she just kind of reflected how that was her like real self-care time. But it took a little bit of extra effort to try to get up in the morning. And and in my yeah. side, I'm over to the side and say, oh, well, it's just part of my routine. It's so easy to get up at 5 a.m., get me to work out. Like, I don't know why it's so hard for you. And if I could go back in time and just say, something totally different to her. Oh, man, I would. And it was just kind of one of those moments where, you know, you just have to have that perspective of having gone through it to really get it and yeah. to know what it means. Um, and, and I think that brings us, you know, to a nice point of what our topic is today, um, which is self-compassion. And I'm really thrilled to be able to learn from you about this because I feel like this is such a big topic for so many moms, especially within our you know, social media world of comparing to everyone all the time and, you know, thinking everyone okay. has it all together. Um, so can you just start us out? What is self-compassion? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, basically, from my perspective, self-compassion is noticing the times that we're struggling and actively choosing to respond to ourselves in a way that we might respond to a friend. Right. So rather than criticizing ourselves, right, or judging our behavior, responding with kindness and compassion. 
um, Kristen Neff, who is the the researcher who's who's kind of driven the idea of self compassion, then a lot of the research um, supporting self compassion as as um, kind of an action path that has three elements to self compassion that she identifies. Uh, the first of those is responding to ourselves with kindness rather than with judgment or criticism. The second is placing our experience, the one that we're struggling with, in the context of shared human experience, right? Like we're not alone. Making mistakes, having a tough time is part of being human, right? It's a thing that we all do. It's not something that's specific to us, isolating to us. Like if you're the mom who forgot school spirit day, you are one of a million moms who forgot school spirit day, right? So like knowing that you're part of this like greater community where everybody is messing up and showing up imperfectly, right? And then the third element um, that she identifies uh, as part of self-compassion is experiencing and observing our emotions and our internal experience mindfully rather and like being able to kind of sit with and tolerate that experience, observe it rather than like suppressing our emotions or getting completely swept away by them. Right. And so those three things together come come together into this you know, response to ourselves where we can tolerate having messed up, we can sit with and tolerate our own internal emotional response to that. Um, and we can treat ourselves with compassion around it, right? I find it interesting how it's it feels so much easier to do exactly that to a friend, you know, yes. to say to somebody else, you know, so many times mom friends will say, oh man, you know, it's just, we, we watched a whole bunch of screen time today and I didn't get the laundry done and I was late for work. You know, and my response to that is, oh, well, you're only human. You know, there's only so much you can do. Great job for your kids alive. You know, you made it to work, you know, like really logical responses. But yet when I'm in those positions, I find it so hard to, you know, talk to myself in that same way. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we talk to ourselves in such a harsh way? Yeah. Well, I think we're all harder on ourselves than we are on other people, right? I, I think um, it's easier for us to see our own mistakes and the places in which we feel like we fell short, right? Whereas um, from the outside, it's, you know, you don't always get the whole picture and you're much more likely, you know, to to be able to see the bigger, to step back and see the bigger picture of how somebody shows up, right? So like a good friend who's a mom, like you see all the ways in which they are showing up for their kids, right? In a way that makes it easier to be like, oh yeah, you know, great work here. Like who cares that your kid came on for eight hours on this one day, like whatever. <laughs> you did excellent speech. Whereas, you know, I think we all tend to have this internal focus on, on you know, the things, the places that we feel like we fell short are just more salient, more powerful, right? They're, they're more observable for us than they are for other people. Um, and we tend to hold ourselves to, to a standard that uh, we don't necessarily hold other people to, right? I, I saw actually Kristen Nump speak a number of years ago now. And, and one of the questions that, sh- that she asked was something along the lines of like, 
who do we think we are anyway, right? Like when we're so hard on ourselves, like what, are you not also a human being? Yeah. Right? Like what is it that makes you feel like you're above like this normal human struggle of messing up and correcting and moving on? Right. Yeah. And and there is something that we just get sucked into that perception of like, well, we shouldn't do that. Right. That, it, 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 you know, we need to do it perfectly. We need to do it just right. So and I feel like you touched on something really important just a minute ago, too, about social media. Right. Yeah. Is that I, I feel like we're in this place, um, just culturally speaking, where there are so many sources of of comparison. Right. That when we see like this mom influencer, like doing everything perfectly, right. The kids are all dressed up in their Christmas pajamas, their decorations, right. Like we're getting that snapshot of, of um, perfection, right. Without getting the whole picture of the way in which things are, are messy, probably behind the scenes. Because yeah. They're human too. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I think there is such a, um, lack of transparency in so many of those areas and that can make it really difficult when you are you know looking at one simple snapshot of of somebody's life and thinking that it's like that 24 7 yet you know behind the scenes it's just who knows what's going on um yeah. you know i saw something similar that was um somebody had purchased a house that had been used by um home makeover influencers and she was showing what the house actually looked like compared to what had been shown. And just, you know, really interesting to see in another uh, sort of example of how we kind of see those not truths being shown. Um, Yeah, a friend had posted a picture the other day of her with some other mom friends out. And kind of immediately I first thought, wow, that's so nice that she's out with friends. And then I thought to myself, oh, I'm I'm feeling kind of sad that I'm I'm not, you know, didn't get to go out with friends. And oh, I wish I could have gotten invited to that event. And, you know, then it was kind of, oh, and, and do I really have any good mom friends? And where are my friends? And it started yeah. to spiral a little bit. And all from a picture, right? A ridiculous yeah. picture of somebody having a nice time. And that's kind of the response that that I had instead of something different, like, wow, I'm glad she had a good time. But um, yeah, social media, I think, is is in my opinion, kind of a tough area because it can be good and helpful, but can also be so detrimental. Such a trigger, right? Just in terms of of like this constant flow of content that has this potential to be really, really triggering, right? And I mean, what you're describing, Heather, like around that like cognitive spiral is like also part of the human experience, Mm -hmm. right? Like our brains are hardwired to detect threats. That's part of the system that keeps us safe. Uh, it dates back to like cave person times, right? In terms of like our constant scanning of the environment. And one of the threats is like separation or distance from other people, right? Because it's safer mm-hmm. if you're clustered together. It's It makes sense that that, that viral came from there, right? And, and um, yeah, and I think it does speak to the fact that we see so much more now than we did 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Uh, in terms of what's happening in other people's lives, right? But a, a really curated selection yeah. of what's happening in other people's lives in a way that's not especially helpful. Yeah. I love how you just normalized that and humanized that experience that I had by saying, there is a reason why you felt that way. Because immediately when you explained that, I felt such a sense of relief of, oh, wow, okay, 
there, there's a logical explanation behind why I felt the way I felt. And, and it's okay. It's okay to not, you know, think that everything needs to be, um, you know, perfect in your brain all of the time. It's okay to experience these emotions and to understand that that's part of a normal human experience of, you know, feeling something when you see something that seems hard to you. So I appreciate you explaining that. It really um, brought to light for me a little bit of that, you know, experience for myself. So can you tell me, is there any true evidence-based research on the benefits of self-compassion? Absolutely. There is a huge body of research now suggesting that practicing self-compassion leads to lower levels of stress, lower levels of anxiety, less depressed mood, right, or more positive mood overall. Um, In addition to that, we have a lot of research to show that self-compassion is linked to increased resilience, increased performance and productivity, right? Because when we don't get caught in that like negative um, self-critical spiral, we're better able to see the picture clearly, figure out how to problem solve about whatever the thing was, right? And come to the table as our, you know, kind of best, most effective selves, right? Whereas if we're off being like, I'm the worst ever, I'm terrible, (laughs) right? Like that's energy, right? It's mental energy that we're using on going down that rabbit hole that, that if we were able to take a different path, right, we would have to expend on, on problem solving, on figuring out where to go from here. Right. And so absolutely there's, there's so much research that suggests that this is, is a really helpful skill to cultivate. I want to be clear too, it's a skill, right? So people are sitting here like listening to us being like, this is not the way that my brain works. This is not the way that anyone's brain works by default, right? So it's this practice of being like, oh, there I go, right? Like criticizing, judging, right? I'm going to try to like pause for a minute here and see if I can go down a different path, right? Like what would a friend say to me, right? What's a way that I can take care of myself in this moment? So that's really helpful. Two, two, I think, big things that you, you know, really brought up there. Um, Number one, that there is a improved productivity with self-compassion, because sometimes I think there is an association of um, being too easy on yourself or or too gentle. You know, sometimes, oh, I need to buck up and have some more, you know, willpower if it's like, oh, I didn't get the laundry done today and the dishes are in the sink instead of being compassionate. It turns into a response of, oh, well, I'm just lazy. And so to mm-hmm. hear, no, it actually can improve your productivity, I think is, is, can be helpful to reframe how we look at self-compassion and, you know, some of the benefits for us really overall. Absolutely. I mean, I love that example, Heather. And and let me take that a step further. Like that day that you're like, ah, I'm so lazy. <laughs> the dishes piled up in the sink and do the laundry. I didn't do any of the other stuff that I was hoping to do today. I can't believe it. I am so lazy. I'm like the worst at this. I can never juggle all of this stuff, right? Like it's, it's just piling up. Like what we think is linked to how we feel and mm. to how we act or react, right? And so in that moment, like thinking like, oh, my God, I'm so lazy. I can never get it all done. Like, I'm just not capable. Those thoughts, right? I mean, do they make people feel more motivated (laughs) during the moment? Like, no, (laughs) right? Like, those are thoughts where I just be like, oh, my God, I'm just going to give up. 
for the day, right? If you're able to be like, kind of like, okay, my house is a disaster. What must have been a pretty busy day and that feels really uncomfortable. Like, is there one thing that I could tackle here that maybe might make me feel like it made a little bit of a dent, right? So it's again, like that, that what we're trying to do here is like a mindset shift, right? That helps us shift how we're feeling. And that also changes how we're able to respond or react in those moments too. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that this is truly a skill because just like playing the piano or, um, you know, running a race or something like that, where you you practice it, you practice it and you get better at it and then it becomes second nature at it. You know, this This is a skill that we can really learn and implement and put into our tool bag for when we need it and and can become something that just becomes a habit because we don't think about it anymore. So I love that you mentioned that because, um, you know, moms don't need to think, oh, I just wasn't born with that. I'm just I'm just hard on myself. Mm-hmm. It's just how I am. Instead, it can be, you know, I, I can learn this skill. Are there any other skills that need to accompany this in order to really be successful in in kind of self-compassion in the way that we are talking and viewing ourselves? Yeah, such a good question. I mean, the field that goes hand in hand with self-compassion is mindfulness, right? Um, And I mean that in a couple of different ways. One is just our ability to be aware, right, of our internal emotional state and like what's going on in our minds, right? Like how are we talking to ourselves, right? What's happening? inside of us Um, because we can't practice self-compassion if we're not even aware of the times that we might need it right that um and as busy moms it is really so incredibly easy to lose track of tuning into our internal state like that right like it's easy just to like barrel through the whole day without a without right without any sense of like how am I doing just like putting one foot in front of the other right wiping butts packing lunches like doing all of the things right that need to be done um but that is like that ability to pause and check in with ourselves is so important and and so helpful right and such a foundation for that skill of of self-compassion so you know maybe it's just starting every day with like a quick mental check-in as soon as you open your eyes in bed right like how am I doing this morning right like how am I coming to the table um or even some of the moms that I've worked with have wound up like setting alarms on their phones right for a quick internal check-in um, like, hey, this is your PSA to Paula. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> what do you potentially need here? Right. So I, I've heard this kind of pause being mentioned a couple of times. And so I thought to try it a little bit in the times. And this was maybe not the smartest time to to practice it because it was a um, it, probably the most explosive time. But when when the kids are just kind of at their wits end, everyone's yelling. There's so much chaos. Um, you know, yeah. the baby girl is crying, everything is happening. You know, I thought to myself, this, these are usually moments where I start to boil and I start to get super overwhelmed. And yeah. so I started saying, okay, as soon as you feel that overwhelm, try to take a mental pause and a deep breath and see where that takes you. And sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's not. But for the majority of times, I have found that it really just helps to calm my brain to say, you can handle this. You are doing a good job. It's going to be okay. 
The kids are alive. The food is getting put on the table. We're all going to make it. Um, and that just that awareness, it's so helpful, but can be really difficult yeah. to put into play. What are some small steps that you can recommend? You mentioned a few areas, but some small steps that we could start to implement some of this self-compassion, these skills, this awareness into our just daily lives. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of them is that like finding an opportunity or figuring out how to use uh, like set yourself up for success around checking in with yourself, right? Even if it's one step and like, great, right? How to stop, do it while you're brushing your teeth, right? Do it first thing in the morning. Because um, that kind of repeated practice is really helpful, right? And then I think, you know, whether or not you're doing that, right? And then I go, well, you, you are, right? But also there are going to be times of days where you don't. And that's par for the course, right? Um, in those, those days, right. And, and I suppose it's also all the days, right. If, and as you notice yourself having a tough time, like pause to like acknowledge it, right. Like, and label it being like, I'm having a tough time right now, right. This is hard. I feel really upset about the way that this just went down, right. Or the way that I showed up. Um, you know, I think it, too, if there are ways to tap into that, that, um, like sense of community around mm -hmm. it, right? That you're one of probably millions of mothers who have felt exactly the same way and maybe even feel exactly the same way in this exact same moment, right? Um, it's, it's like when you're a new mom and you're up in the middle of the night with your newborn, right? Feeling like you're all alone in the darkness. There are literally millions of other mothers who are probably also doing the exact same thing right and just that tapping into that sense of community in those moments that are hard can be really helpful um and then you know the other the other one that i really like um too is is like a um a self-compassion practice around physical touch and like literally putting your hand on your heart um as a way to use physical touch to soothe yourself um, for some people that might feel cheesy and that's okay. You have to do what works for you, right? And do what feels right to you. Different things work for different people. Um, but one of my favorite self-compassion practices is hand to heart and like a really deep breath. And you're breathing in for, so the way that I do it is I'm breathing in for me, like really deep breath, like really feeling and paying attention to that breath, feeling your body and then breathing out, like I'm breathing out for you, right? So um, and that could be like, you know, as a community, it could be in a tough moment with your kids. I'm breathing in myself, breathing out for all of you hooligans that are driving me crazy, right? Like whatever the case may be, right? Um, but I think that that physical touch also gives you somewhere to focus your attention and energy that also can help help in the stepping back from the emotion, right? Like you can notice and pay attention to that sensation of contact, right? Like right now I can feel my hand on my sweater, right? Which is like a waffle weave. And so like there's information there. There's something I can observe in a way that I can step back from um, whatever that that really big kind of overpowering emotional experience might be in the moment. What a really tangible and helpful just tip for us to really try. You know, the 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 biggest thing that we can do is try and see if that works and see if that's helpful in those moments of um, you know, self-negative spiral or in those moments of overwhelm, you know, whatever it is that we might be going through. 
to just give it a try and see how it makes you feel. Um, I really love the sense of community aspect to things. I think that's so helpful to kind of think I'm not, I'm not the only one. I am not doing this by myself. Um, and I just had to bring up because you did mention sense of community that you have a um, really incredible group called Mighty Moms. That is a support group. And um, it looks like you are opening a new cohort pretty soon in the next um, in the new year in January. And I was kind of perusing that. It just looks incredible. And I love that you are doing that for moms. Um, what happens in that group, if I can ask? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really pretty open-ended. Um, we have some video and audio that people can watch on their own time if they want to, right? From skills like self-compassion, right? Other um, evidence-based or research-supported skills around stress management, around emotion regulation that I rely on as a mom, right? That I think are, you know, and we have research to suggest are helpful. But the groups themselves, like, honestly, are talking about things that people are finding hard. Right. And and having some open conversations. And I, I think, um, you know, so what that means is that the content has varied cohort to cohort. We've done now five cohorts of this program. You're right. We're opening up another one in January. It's a six week program. So it's time limited. Um, and so the conversation sometimes is around, OK, well, how are we doing with applying these skills? Right. Or what resonated? What didn't resonate? And then there are other weeks that people are coming to the table and being like, I am feeling like failure across the board. I can no longer juggle working kids or I'm dropping balls left and right. Like, am I the only person that feels this way? Right. And of course, they're no, they're never the only person that feels that way. Right. And and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things like that group is the most professionally fulfilling thing I've done in, in the last five years or more. Right. And and it's because when we can talk openly about the things that are hard we realize that we are in community, right? That we're not alone. There's, we don't have that same sense of, of isolation and shame around it, right? Instead, it becomes a like, wow, like I'm having trouble juggling work and kids and so are lots of other people, right? Like this is a systemic cultural problem that we have going on here, not, not like a personal shortcoming. Right. In a way that just is, I think, so powerful and even as powerful for me as a facilitator. Right. Like this is stuff that I know, uh, you know, the work that I do in the profession. And it's still so easy to get sucked into. Right. It's like, no, did I finish everything on my list of things? To do? No. Am I constantly overwhelmed? <laughs> yeah. Right. And just hearing like that. Yeah. That echoed from other people. It's so powerful and sustaining in a, a way that's, yeah, really great. So. If people are, are interested, I would love to have others join. We have a handful of spots left in that January cohort. And certainly we'll operate again later in the year, too. Um, you know, sometimes it can be hard to open up to your close friends and to really admit that you're having a hard time. And so the fact that there's a bit of, you know, it's new people that you're meeting and, and sharing with might make it easier to share in a way that you're not feeling judged or you know, whatever it may be, and um, kind of a nice way to not only meet new um, new parents, but to have that, you know, ability to open up without feeling any sense of, of judgment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And a number of the moms who have participated in that Mighty Moms program before have said exactly that. How they're like, it's so refreshing to have these conversations and not to feel that sense of vulnerability around like, 
what happens if I share this with my close friend? I mean, I would still encourage people to be trying to initiate some of those conversations with close friends, right? Because I, I think the more that we can show up to the table, um, you know, as our most genuine open self, like the more those relationships are, are going to be genuine, right? And have that ability to support and sustain us. Um, and I completely understand how that feels scary. When it feels like if it feels like everyone around you has it together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for our final question today, what, Nina, is your favorite self-care activity? Yeah. <laughs> I've been working really hard on this. How do I <laughs> like in the pandemic like really my self-care took a serious hit and i hate to well i was going to say i hate to say this but i don't even hate to say this my favorite self-care activity is when my husband takes my kids and they all leave yeah having a quiet peaceful house all to myself with no one screaming and yelling no one about to stab anyone else in the eyeball with a stick no one asking for a snack right it's just like my absolute favorite Thing. I'm kind of an introvert. I love that piece, that ability just to be at home. Um, you know, sometimes I try to get things done, which still feels like it counts as self care because it's taking things off that list of things to do, right? Uh, like laundry or food prep. But sometimes I just sit on the couch and read a book or scroll Instagram and like savor the silence. <laughs> favorite self care practice or one that you've done this week? So I. Truly, my if I can do some form of movement, that is is hands down mine. But I was going to say that I can absolutely relate to loving that quiet. It's funny. So my my husband is a pilot right now. He's in Singapore. So I'm, you know, kind of juggling kids and all of that. And usually when he comes back, he'll say like, oh, well, you know, what what do you need? How can I, you know, give you a break? And often I don't really know what to say. I'm like, oh, well, maybe just do the chores in peace. But I actually thought, well, what if I went to the library where it was quiet and I could read and no one would bother me and I wouldn't feel the need to, you know, be doing chores and things that I like to get checked off, but sometimes I I don't want to have the pressure of having to do them. And so I could yes. definitely relate to just yes. some quiet, pure quiet. Yes. But I love that idea of like relocating too so that you yes. don't get like sucked into the temptation to do like laundry or food prep or whatever yeah Yeah, that's fantastic we talk sometimes in our mighty moms group about i think it's so easy to get sucked into the idea of self-care as as um like things that take a lot of time right like going to a yoga class or getting a massage and and i really encourage moms and try to remember myself uh, to look for opportunities for micro self care like things that take just you know a minute or a couple of minutes but yet like help us kind of refill that coping cup maybe it's you know just stepping outside and like looking at the way the light falls on the leaves on the trees right or drinking your coffee while it's hot or right but things like that matter too even when we don't have room um for something bigger right yeah it's just easier to miss those or to feel like they're not as meaningful but they they definitely can add up too yeah I'm I'm so glad that you said that. Um, you know, marketing I think is trying to sell us on um lavish vacations and things like that. And don't get me wrong, I'd love to do that, but uh, I think the micro micro moments are really where it's at. So I super appreciate you pointing that out. Um, 
Thank you, Dr. Kaiser, so much. It has just been such a joy to um, talk with you and learn from you. And you just have such a grounding spirit. I, I just feel relaxed after just talking to you. Um, so just thank you. Thank you for your time. Oh, no, thank you, Heather. I love having conversations like this about motherhood, about parenting. We're all in it together, right? And it's, it's so delightful just to be able to, yeah, to connect around that, to talk about it. And so I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. If you're loving the Habit Maker Mama podcast, I want to invite you to check out our free five-day self-care plan so you can jumpstart your journey to incorporating self-care into your day as a busy mom. You can head to habitmakermama.com forward slash prioritize yourself challenge or head to the link in the show notes. You'll receive daily support to help you in starting on your journey to caring for yourself. Again, head to habitmakermama.com. See you next time.